Welcome to Rebecca Sounds Reveille. As you know, every show I tell you what a show I've got because every show is just filled with amazing tools and resources, hope and inspiration to help you have a healthier life. And also to share those kinds of things with people you know that can make significant difference in the things that they do daily and over their long haul. Today with us, we have a guest who is... Well, an executive and career coach, as well as CEO of Terry B. McDougal Coaching. And I want to emphasize coaching. We'll go back to that in a little bit. What's incredible about Terry is she really focuses on helping high achieving professionals remove obstacles that are keeping them stuck. And many of us know what it's like to be stuck. And we need someone that can give us some tools and guidance to get us over those hurdles so that we can have more success and satisfaction in our personal lives as well as our careers. And before she became a coach, this is so interesting because she was a longtime corporate marketing executive. Listen to that, because this is where she led teams, she developed strategies, and she advised, wait for it, senior leaders senior leaders, to drive business results. This is a results-oriented show. She delivers results. She is author of Winning the Game of Work, Career Happiness, and Success on Your Own Terms. She also has her own podcast, Marketing Mambo. Welcome to the show, Terry McDougall. Rebecca, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I am delighted that you're here because you and I share so many just soul ties to what we're all about. And that's really delivering things to people so that they can move forward. And when we see results in our life, whether it's personal or professional, I've got to tell you, things begin to change. And if it starts in professional, it'll carry over to personal. If it starts in personal, it carries over to professional. Tell me how you got started. Oh my gosh. Like, wait, how did I get started? You know, I feel like I've been on a lot of podcasts and I've been asked that question about how I got started in coaching. And the more I told the story, the the further back I realize it goes. I am the oldest of four sisters. And so, you know, even in childhood, I was the big sister. I I was helping my younger sisters to do things. If I learned something, I was teaching them. And and that kind of carried on through school. And even when I got out of school, I would help people with their resumes. I just, or people would just be drawn to me to talk to me about their issues and problems and challenges. And I just always loved listening and strategizing with them on like how, how to get the goal that they were, were going after. It just was fun to me. Um, and then I had a long career in the corporate world, and I was a very ambitious person, but I also was first-generation college graduate, so I didn't really have anybody that was close to me that could be a guide to say, hey, you know, here's, let me show you the ropes, you know, of how you advance in the corporate world, and I had a couple of, um, you know, disappointments along the way that I just kind of realized that I didn't want to just settle for what it looked like my career path was. And so I actually, I remember this was in the early 2000s before there was so much talk about coaching, but I remember I, I thought, oh, I think there's something called like a career coach or something. <laughs> and I went out to Yahoo because this was pre-Google and put in 
career coach and I found somebody in my, my town who was doing it. And she, I worked with her for a few months and the, um, it's kind of a long story, but the, the result within a few months was that I ended up getting a job that within the first year doubled my salary. And so I under, through my own experience with a coach, I recognized that, you know, they could really help you to identify your hurdles, your challenges, you know, identify what the gaps were and develop skills and confidence to overcome them. And so, um, you know, that was a seed that was planted, you know, close to 20 years ago, probably. And I, um, you know, I got to a certain point in my career, probably in say 2015, 16 or so, where I had been at my job, or I'd been at a company for about 12 years, and I'd had four positions while I was there. But I was starting to look around and I was like, I don't really see the next logical step here in this organization. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was outgrowing the position I was in. So I, I kind of looked at myself and said, okay, what do you like to do? And what are you good at? I always loved mentoring and coaching my teams. I knew what executive and career coaches did. And, and so I thought, well, you know, maybe I'll it started off like I was just going to take a sabbatical. I, I was tired of the job. I wanted to leave and do something different. I thought, oh, I'll go and get trained as a coach and then I'll get another job and do this sort of as a side hustle. But, um, you know, as as can often happen once we get on a path, you know, it, it sort of maybe it has a mind of its own. Right. <laughs> and and I just decided, you know what, I'm going to try to do this full time. And that was close to five years ago. So, um that's how I became a coach. I was already a coach. I just became a coach professionally. Well, I love it because oftentimes I think we know when we've outgrown something, but we tend to keep it because it's easy. We've mastered it. But I think most, I think most everyone at some point will say, I wish I had more. Even if they've been satisfied with what they're doing and they truly love it, it's almost as if we know that we can do more. And that drive inside us is sort of leaking out saying, hey, you need to do more. You need to do more. And oftentimes, depending on certain circumstances in our life, we'll kind of put it off to the side. We'll say, "Okay, you know what? I can't do that right now because it might hurt me financially or Mm there's some other fear that limits the ability to kind of move forward. So people stay stagnant just on that alone. But when that calling just continues to knock on your door and you listen to it, the joy and the rewards from it are just undeniably unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I've, um, I've found with myself and with my clients is that, you know, there's, there's sort of a little bit of a calculation that we make, and it's probably not necessarily always conscious, but the, the calculation is about 70, 30, which is if you can spend about 70% of your time doing things at work that refill your tank, you know, that you like, and you're good at, and it, you know, you're, you're feeling fulfilled and only that 
that, that gives you enough energy to deal with the 30% that isn't fun, right? It's just, it's work. They call it work. And sometimes you got to do stuff that is tedious or you don't like or whatever. But usually if you can have about a 70-30 mix that you'll be satisfied with your job. But what can happen is that over time, you know, maybe you get a new boss or there are new challenges at work, or, you know, you have grown tired of the things that you used to like to do that used to be interesting and challenging. And now they're Mm -hmm. kind of boring and monotonous that if that, if that balance changes and it's not just a season, but it's kind of changed permanently, what we can find is that when Sunday night rolls around, when Monday morning rolls around, that it's harder and harder to get the energy to get up and go. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I felt like that was sort of happening with me, you know, that um, for the 12 years that I was at my my company, I'd say like 10 of those 12 years, um, it was around the 70-30, right? I had enough opportunities to do fun things that really you know, we're in my wheelhouse and to continue learning and having new interesting challenges. But the last role that I was in, quite frankly, right from the beginning, I, I didn't think it was a good fit, but my boss really wanted me in that role. And um, it just was draining, you know, and so that that's what made me step back. And all the things that you talk about, I felt, I probably hung in there and felt the pain for longer than I needed to. But, you know, sometimes we have to feel the pain in order to have the motivation to get over the hump, to get past our fear. Um, And what, what do they say? Like when the, when the pain of staying the same exceeds the pain of changing, that's when we decide to change. And that was kind of what happened with me because I made a good salary and had lots of friends and had a nice routine going to work and lots of, you know, little, Um, perks and so forth. Um, But it just wasn't, you know, at the heart of what I was doing, it just wasn't fulfilling. And that that was painful to me. So what I had found in a number of different circumstances throughout the course of my life in different situations that I've been in where I'll I'll utilize your 30% um, sort of indicator of not being as happy in whatever role it was during that 30% period of time. And I would look at what is it I'm supposed to do one of three things. I'm here to learn something from the situation, even if it's long-term, because if I had not Mm -hmm. looked at it immediately, that means it's something that I need to learn certain skills over a period of time? Is it there because I'm supposed to teach someone something and their learning may take a little bit longer than, or it's maybe multiple people who's going to have to learn. The third thing would be either both of us are supposed to learn and teach each other something from the situation. And that's where I found myself in the 30%. What do you tell your clients who are in that 30%? situation? Well, I mean, if if it's usually I'm not dealing with people that are having the 30%, right? Usually it's like 50% of the time they're doing something they enjoy and 50% of the time they're doing something that they don't. And so they don't, it, they end up sort of going into an energy deficit, if you will, or, or they're just sort of like in this like kind of boring place where nothing's too, too, too exciting. What I find is that most of the time when people come to me, it's it's pushed beyond that where 
they're spending more time on things that drain their energy than they are on things that fill them up. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it could be anything from, uh, you know, they're working too many hours because they tell themselves that it's like how many hours they work that determines the value at work, which I don't agree with. Um, it could be that they have some difficult situations that they're dealing with, with bosses or peers or people on their team that they're not sure how to deal with and maybe they're avoiding it. Um, it could be that like in my case, that they've outgrown the thing that they're doing, but you know, they're sort of holding on to it because they're they're afraid to figure out what's next or they're telling themselves and people will say this out loud, out loud to me often, which is, um, well, I can never make as much money doing this, or I want to do this other thing, but I know that I could never get hired there because of the degree I have, or I'm too old, or I need to go back to school or whatever, you know, people will tell themselves reasons for why they can't have what they want. And you know, I, I always say like the first thing you got to do is get clear on the thing you want, which sometimes okay. that's not easy. Um, but once you do figure out what you want, you got to come up with the game plan. Like if, if we accept that this is the thing that I want and I'm at point A and that's point B, what's that roadmap look like to get there? And mm-hmm. you know, sometimes we don't know what the whole roadmap looks like, but it's sort of like I'm in Chicago and I'm going to drive to to California, I know I've got to get on a road heading west, right? So <laughs> that's like the first step. And I'll probably mm-hmm. figure more of the journey out as I go through it, but you got to get started at some point. And then, um, you know, sometimes we'll also recognize that, okay, there's gaps that I'm going to have to deal with. So for example, if I have a car that, you know, has a, a flat tire, that's a gap. I'm going to have to go and get that fixed before I can start on my journey. Right. Um, but, you know, sometimes people are just sort of afraid to even look at it because their belief is that, you know, maybe I'm not worthy of having the thing that I want. And we've got to start right there and say, absolutely, you are. If you, you know, if you want it, you're worthy of having it. And if so can, are there if, techniques that you use to help work on someone's self-esteem or if they're in a sort of unhealthy mindset at the time? Yes, there's a. There's a um, assessment that I have all of my clients take, and it's called the Energy Leadership Index Assessment. And what it does is through a series of questions, it helps to identify subconscious beliefs that people have that can hold them back from reaching their goal. Mm-hmm. And once once they take it and I, you know, go through the evaluation, I'll have a series of questions that will do a deep dive into the things that kind of pop up as their subconscious beliefs. And the the whole purpose of this is to, you know, go down into that subconscious and pull those things up to the level of consciousness, because once we can recognize like, oh, I always do this thing, or I never put my hat in the ring for a promotion, or I, you know, let my peer talk over me in meetings because, you know, maybe they remind you of your brother and your brother was the favorite child in the family. And so you believe that you have to let that happen. But when you raise those beliefs to the surface, we can really examine them to say like, okay, you came up with this belief at a time in your life when it served you. Mm -hmm. But 
very likely things have changed since then, but you haven't kind of updated your software, if you will. And so this is all about identifying those glitches in the operating system, you know, finding them and the deciding, like, what do we want to replace here, right? So it could be, you know, if if your brother was the favorite child in the family, and ever since then, you've sort of allowed men to talk over you because that was what was accepted in your family. And that's what you needed to do to get along when you were 10 years old. Well, you know, you can step back and say, well, I'm 35 now. And, you know, I have a great job. And I'm very, you know, I don't want to play second fiddle to the guy that sits in the cube next to me, right? We, so we can say, hey, I'm worthy of being heard. Right. So we could maybe change that belief. And then when that situation comes up, it doesn't happen automatically. But when we find that we're following that belief subconsciously and we're starting to do the thing that hasn't served us, we can step back and be like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not finished talking right now. Let me finish. Right. Because we start to think like I'm worthy of being heard. So. So when you hone in on someone's key indicator of a belief system that you think should be changed. Mm -hmm. How, how much time would you say is involved in the behavioral therapy aspect of what you Mm -hmm. share with them before Mm -hmm. they start seeing some positive results? It really depends on the individual and how deeply rooted that that belief is. I mean, I I like to think of, you know, habits are really neural pathways, right? It's, it's as if like our the inside of our brain is like a, a big forest, and there are certain paths that have been, you know, just through use, carved out of the forest. Right? And, and we'll just automatically go there when there's certain triggers. But, you know, if we want to do something different, we have to consciously decide that I'm going to, I'm going to cut a different path through the forest. And it's a little bit hard at first, right? Cause it's like the jungle's thick and you need to get out there with the machete and you have to keep doing the new habit in order to, to carve the new neural pathway. Some people, you know, the first time that you bring it up to them, they're like, you know, wow, aha, like, no wonder I have had these, you know, self self sabotaging habits, or no wonder I keep doing the same pattern. Other people, um, you know, I just pointed out to them, like, hey, you know, we were we were talking about this pattern in the past, and I'm I'm seeing it pop up again here. You know, just help them be aware because patterns can pop up in places that aren't necessarily obvious. Like, for example, um, and this is one that that I kind of had earlier in my life, my dad was a really, you know, kind of gruff and an intimidating guy. And a lot of times when he didn't want to deal with something with me and my sisters, he would just sort of like, give you the silent treatment or just avoid talking to you or he'd use like his deep voice to sort of intimidate you. So you would just drop the subject. And So, you know, I did feel intimidated. I was this kid, you know. And so later in my life, when I would deal with these like big men, very masculine men that had deep voices and maybe reminded me a little bit of my dad, I would shrink back a little. 
And at some point I recognized that and I, cause I could, I could tell the feeling and I was like, I don't like how this feels. I don't like, this is not how I want to be perceived. I don't want to be perceived as a shrinking violet in the corporate world. I had bigger ambitions. And so I had to, you know, step back from it and say, well, yeah, that guy reminds me of my dad because he's big and he's got a deep voice and, but he's not my dad. And so it doesn't make sense for me to respond to this person that maybe I just met the way I would respond to my dad. Like it's a, I can choose to show up differently. And at first it can be scary, right? Because there's, I mean, I actually think that this kind of gets down to us at the cellular level, right? That we, you know, or even at the gut level that we, if something feels risky or feels scary, a lot of times our gut is the first thing that reacts to it. And then we just do some behavior. Um, so it takes a little time and a little effort and courage to do something different. But once we do, and, you know, dad doesn't, or <laughs> dad, uh, the guy doesn't spank us, like maybe my dad would have done, right? I mean, this is ridiculous, right? Like if you're at work, nobody's going to spank you, right? But you're not looking at it consciously you're just responding to it subconsciously because that little seven-year-old girl from you know in my case like 1971 is um you know I'm kind of going back to an earlier coping mechanism that so it's 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 fascinating it really is and it sure sounds like it is fascinating and you have a successful coaching business where people can come and they can identify some things that are keeping them in a position where they're not being mm-hmm. able to move forward at the rate that they want to, or maybe, yeah. or maybe even not at all. And mm-hmm. so you have a, a really key structure on being able to zero in on that and also help someone in a direction that's going to move them really healthy. If someone wants to get in contact with you, how can they um, they get in contact with you for coaching plus what you offer mm-hmm. as far as on your show? Yeah, well, they can reach out to me through my website, which is terrybmcdougal.com. I'm also active on LinkedIn and my handle on LinkedIn is terrybmcdougal. My book, Winning the Game of Work, is available on barnesandnoble.com and on Amazon worldwide. And then my show, Marketing Mambo, I, I say I cha-cha chat with marketing movers and shakers from around the world. Um, I'm typically talking to people who are uh, leaders within the marketing world or, or advertising world. And uh, you, can, you can check out Marketing Mambo at marketingmambo.net or on any of the podcast platforms. Well, excellent. I want to thank you so much for being here and for the work that you have committed yourself to do to really enrich the lives of others and give them so much that they're going to be able to use both tangibly and intangibly. You are just golden in what you do. Thank you so much for being here. Well, Rebecca, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate what you do as well. Thanks. And I want to thank you for all tuning in to another episode of Rebecca Sounds Reveille. We're excited that there is so many things that you can learn. And when you absorb the things that you learn, your life can really, really move in a direction that is so much healthier. 
The really neat thing about the show is you can always replay this. So if there wasn't something that you quite caught that you want to go back in, you can you can do that with this. And Terry's got so much insight. You can definitely connect with her on all of the different links that she shared with you. Grab a copy of her book and also share this with everybody that you know and everybody that you don't. Thanks for tuning in.